Let us pray. Gracious God, on this resurrection day, may the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, all that we offer you in faith and praise, be acceptable unto you, for you are the great one who brings us into life, who brings us new life this day, restores our hope, and redeems us into the great light of your love. Amen. Amen. There was nothing inevitable about the resurrection. The resurrection is a choice. A choice exercised by God to raise Jesus from the dead. As we look back across creation and salvation history, in every step and stage, it is God who makes choices on behalf of humanity creates us at the beginning of time, male and female, blesses us and says, Behold, this is very good. God blesses our human identity and affirms us as the beloved children of God. In the time of Abraham and Sarah, God tested them in the binding of their son Isaac and showed to them a different way of living in which each person, that beloved child of God, is held sacrosanct and calls us to a new way of ethical identity and understanding. In the time of Moses and of Miriam, God led the people Israel out of freedom, restored them from the benighted estate of slavery, and set them on a path to build a world, a society that was devoted to justice and equity, the reign of peace. The prophets, speaking on God's behalf, recalled God's people to these righteous ways and calls us even still to establish in our own time that God has entrusted into our care the dream that God has set for the whole human family. The time of Mary and of Joseph this miracle of the incarnation of God into a human being, Jesus of Nazareth, the scandal of particularity that the, the God of all the universe and of all people would be found in one human being, that Mary in her deep devotion to God would be responsive to the God who called her, and Joseph in his fidelity to provide and protect and to carry them from childhood into adulthood. In Jesus' ministry, he made choices all along the way, just as God had been making these choices from time immemorial. He chooses to love the least. He turns to those who are lost and who are despised and loves them. He speaks a word of hope and of redemption, of unconditional regard. He sets himself on a path to his certain destruction, for he knows that the authorities, religious and particularly Roman, could not stand the ways in which he called for justice and for peace. He made a choice. He faced into his destiny. He leaned into his destiny. 
And God chose to be with him and to raise him from the dead. We are so accustomed to the seasons and the turning of time within our life of faith that we think of Easter as inevitable. But to get in touch with the deeper feelings that all of us are experiencing in this time, the great ambivalence that we feel in the midst of this crisis, and the joy which is overlaid upon it this day, we are very much like the women who went to the tomb early in the morning. You know, the Church of Christ theologian, whose name I now forget, <laughs> in New Hampshire. Emily Heath. Hmm? Emily C. Heath. Is that right? Say again. Emily Heath. Oh, Emily Heath. Great, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm really glad the building's not completely empty. <laughs> Emily Heath wrote recently that the women going to the empty tomb are those who are coming out of social isolation, like we have been, home, alone, afraid, unsure, and yet they had the courage when the time was right to emerge. As I say every year, mark and remember that it is women who go to the tomb while the men continue to quake in the shadows. From Mark's Gospel, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went, <coughs> went to the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. The earthquake only appears in Matthew's account. It's a great earthquake. It's not a little earthquake, it's not a tremular. I'm going to get my water. <coughs> Sorry. I have a frog in the back of my throat. It's not a drag pot. <clears throat> they went to see the tomb, and there was a great earthquake, not a tremulous, in which the china rattles in the cupboard or the tables sway from side to side and the building moves a little bit. A great earthquake, the kind, you know, that knocks a house off of its foundations and cast the china across the room. That's why the experts tell you an earthquake to get out of the house. It's a great earthquake. Something big is happening here. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone that sat upon the mouth of the tomb. And the angel sat on the great stone. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. Fear of him, the angels shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. Really? Do not be afraid. Think back to the beginning of Luke's Gospel. 
when the angel appears to Mary, it says suddenly, which is the translation of the Greek word edu, which can be translated suddenly, but it can also mean all at once, or remarkably, or unexpectedly, or did you take a look and see that? Suddenly, the angel appeared and said, Do not be afraid. And Mary responded with a question and an affirmation and an agreement. At the birth of the baby in Bethlehem, the angel appeared to the shepherds and said, Do not be afraid. The angel and Jesus in his own experience and lifetime when he says to people, do not be afraid, speaks out of a deep foreknowledge and authority to assure us. We've heard a lot of things in recent days about be afraid or don't be afraid. And sometimes we wonder about the veracity and the authority and the credibility of those who are saying these things. But when the angel speaks on behalf of God, when Jesus speaks on behalf of God, there is assurance and authority that can be trusted. Not a statement that everything will be fine, but especially when things are not fine, do not be afraid, for you are not alone. Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, See the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. This is my message for you. Now why is Jesus going to go back to Galilee to meet them? To sit on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee? sitting back and having a picnic, reminiscing about the good old days. Remember that time we were out in the Sea of Galilee and there was a storm and I stilled it? And they go, oh, that was incredible. And how about the time I came walking across the water and Peter came walking to me, but then he lost his faith and he almost fell in and drowned. Oh, that was a good one, Jesus. How about the time the miraculous catch of fish? Oh, those were the good old days, Jesus. We wish we were back then. What about my teaching on the Sea of the Side? preaching to the people from a boat. There were so many who came to see me, and then I fed them thousands with a couple of fish and loaves of bread. Didn't go back to Galilee to reminisce about the good old days. He went back to Galilee so that the resurrection would continue. Not to reminisce, but to charge, to command, to commit, to show the disciples how they will continue to embody that resurrection. So he's gone to Galilee, and there you will see him. This is my message for you. And so they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy. They were so afraid, they were joyful. It's like falling in love. You're so afraid of what something has taken over you, and yet you feel this incredible joy. It's like being the present at the birth of a child. The sense of awe and fear, so great that you are full of joy. Like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, 
and looking over the edge, especially if you're like me, being afraid you won't fall in, but also overcome with a sense of awe and wonder, of joy. Thanks to Martin Copenhagen, pastor, teacher, leader of our church, for his examples of freedom, fear, and joy. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, you do. Could you see that? Did you see that? Jesus joined them on the road. And he said, Greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the incredible, unfolding, never-ending, never-completed story of the resurrection. The resurrection is not an historic event limited to a particular day in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago, but is the unfolding reality of God's love, particularly in times of uncertainty. When we feel that we do not know which way to go, Jesus will be there to guide us, to show us, to lead us, to serve us, to assure us, do not be afraid, but step forward in hope. So hear the gospel again. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the gods quaked and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee, and there you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! They came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came, and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always.
to the end of the age. So the building may be empty. The tomb was also empty. The only way the narrative works is for the tomb to be empty. The only way the church works is for the building to be empty so that the Christians will go forth, those who follow Jesus, to take his message of love and care and compassion to all the earth. Thanks be to God for inviting us, commanding us, directing us to go to the Galilee of our own spirits and there to meet the resurrected Christ and follow where he would go, to go where he will send us to proclaim the good news of his love. For lo, he will be with us always. Amen.